What if it was Mario Kart was like Crazy Taxi had that music? Oh, uh, over Easter, mm-hmm. um, there was a small boy who was playing Mario Kart on his little like Switch. Cute. And he tried to get one of the adults to do it. Yeah. And I just like grabbed him like, here, let me do I'll it. I'll do it for you. <laughs> and he won all of the races. One of them, he just like barely got over the finish line ahead of me, mm-hmm. but my team had more points. Hey. So I'm like, you're winning the battles, but I'm winning the war, boy! <laughs> I'm going to beat this chump <laughs> of a Suck child. It. And he, Suck it! And he's like, I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> he was like 12. Okay. He's fine. <laughs> he wanted to play with an adult that he could definitely beat. He didn't mean you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So rude. He's like, you're actually winning. And the only reason I wasn't totally winning is they didn't have pink gold peach. Oh, yeah. They only had regular peach. No. Gotta have rose gold peach. I know they say pink gold, but that's uh, just wrong. Right. Like, does someone have a patent on yeah. copyright on rose gold? It's trademarked. Like, I doubt it. I don't think so. Anyway. It's, <laughs> it's copper. Welcome to Hysterical History. Yep. Happy Easter. Couple days ago. Uh-huh. Merry Easter. Merry shingles. <laughs> I also like that you're like Jewish and beating this boy at uh, Mario Kart on Easter. <laughs> I'm assuming he's not, but I don't know. Pass over this. <laughs> Son. <laughs> um, I'm Alexis. I'm Haley. Hello. Welcome to K Kiss 96.5, the hysterical history. <laughs> the his. The his. The K his. <laughs> the W his. The hist hist. So I had a joke. Oh, yeah. Um, that I didn't get to put in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, like the witch hunters talking to physician boys back in like the 1600s, 1500s, being mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's all these ladies being weird. And he's like, maybe we should treat them like patients that are, like, maybe mentally ill. And like, Who told you that? The witches? <laughs> oh, it's such a terrible joke, <laughs> but you were so upset. <laughs> like, barge into my room and were like, I had a joke. And I was, like, having a serious conversation with Kate. <laughs> I know you both, like, looked up. <laughs> and you're like, uh-oh. I was, like, walking into a counselor's office, like, in the midst of a therapy session. <laughs> Pretty much. I had a really good one, though. See ya. <laughs> Have fun with your chat. Your deep heart to heart. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Taylor in a nutshell. People are sharing emotions. I had a joke to tell. Goodbye. <laughs> now I gotta go. Wild, chaotic energy. <laughs> Just extreme. Busting the door. I forgot a joke. I got a joke. <laughs> and I forgot to put it in the episode. People are looking at me like, it wasn't funny. <laughs> like, the funniness was not the issue. I love to. So Alyssa listened to that episode, and then she was like, Haley, you said something really funny. And she told me that she re-listened to it because she could remember, and you told her to. I did. I want to know what it was. And then she could figure it out. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> laugh the second time. She's like, this time it's, it's not, not fun. funny the second time. It's not funny this time. But you already know the jokes. I listened this time, and I hated it. Everything. <laughs> always wrong about everything. <laughs> oh, no. Whenever people email in, there's always that chance. Or it's like, <laughs> you're stupid. Also, you got everything wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sorry. Also, all of your Latin names are wrong. Yeah, it's dangerous. Every time you said Latin, it was wrong. <laughs> well, speaking of Latin, welcome to Hysterical History. <laughs> <laughs> when we say every Latin thing wrong, 
every time. It's actually pronounced latine. <laughs> Latin. <laughs> latrine. There's a <laughs> There's a hidden R. <laughs> um, and we have an email to read from our friend Daniel, who's a professor of English. Hey. Hey, Daniel. Haven't heard from you in a minute. What's up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Uh, and he said, hi, Alexis and Haley. As per request, uh, as a friendly neighborhood person who took Latin in college. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, I thought I'd answer your request to come up with big club butt fart in Latin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. 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 So yes. exciting. Yes, Daniel. Yes. Yes, Daniel. Uh, one difficulty here is what words are meant to be adjectives. I assumed big and butt, although unfortunately there is no adjective form of butt in Latin as far as I can tell. How? Imagine that. How? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just like noun instead of adjective. Uh, sure. You don't describe anything as butt. I mean, that's their loss. Yeah. That's why they're dead. They can both be nouns. <laughs> like butt and fart can be nouns. Because they're so... They're so rowdy. How did they never <laughs> describe something as a butt? Yeah. A butt something. Yeah. I don't know. That's just too, like, modern vernacular, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, but he says there are two noun options for the word butt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. I love. Uh, Latin also doesn't have a set word order, but I've just put the words in the literal English order, though adjectives often go second in Latin. Anyways, here are some options. Manga on. Angula clunus flautus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or manga angula natus flautus. Oh my gosh, yes. He said, enjoy, keep up the hysterical work. <laughs> I'm just going to like get it tattooed on something. <laughs> People are like, ooh, what's that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> it's going to be big claw butt. <laughs> People who actually read Latin <laughs> are going to lose it. <laughs> They're going to think you didn't know what it meant, and then you just have to stare them down in the eyes like, I know. And you say exactly what it means. They're like, oh, <laughs> big club. But what? what a power move. <laughs> they yeah. back down. They always yeah, back basically. down. That's the new, like, Chinese character tattoos, <laughs> Latin tattoos. Uh, if we ever do merch, this needs to be the first oh, thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. At least one of the first things. <laughs> big club. <laughs> and it just, yeah, it says, like, one of these or both of them, and then it says, like, underneath, like, ask me what it means. <laughs> yeah. Ask me about and my... And our name on the back. Ask me about my dino name. <laughs> like, what? This is the most confusing shirt I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like your your house <laughs> motto or something cool. Yeah. Right, for your, like, fraternity or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Anyway, that was beautiful. Thank you, Daniel, for emailing us. It was so lovely. Uh, Daniel, you're a you're a hero. And his email title was Big Club Butt Fart, so I was really excited. Yes. And then it was Latin, and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever read. You're using your education for good. He didn't send us any pictures of kids or dogs or sandwiches or anything, but that yeah. might be my favorite email. Sometimes duty comes first. <laughs> duty. <laughs> duty. But... <laughs> okay, I think that's I'm good. so pleased. <laughs> so Catherine de Medici is who we're talking about. Catherine, the more I learn about Catherine, the more I love her deeply in my soul. Mm-hmm. I was already, or I was always under the impression with her that she was like um, impressive, but like very conniving and like ruthless. And the more I read about her, the more I'm like, oh, this is like mean propaganda because people are racist. <laughs> They're racist. It's probably not true. And they like don't like women. Yeah. And 
you know, basically the same thing that happens to every lady mm-hmm. who becomes famous enough for you to remember them. I don't know. There are some people that I feel like— You have to have exceptional PR. Yeah. No, I agree. But I, I do feel like there are a lot of women that, like, at least in our consciousness of, like, American history and our, like, looking at Europe, that there are definitely, like, women who you're like, oh, that's a good one. And then you hear a different one, you're like, mm, bad, you mm-hmm. know, like, automatically in your mind. And a lot of, like, studying history is figuring out that that's not true because people are people and, I mean, some of them are still bad, but some of them are good and a lot of it is a lie. Yeah, it's like, yeah, some of them did, like, murder a lot of people. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes that's the good ones yeah. get perceived, too. Because I'm going to say, like, you know, like, Elizabeth the, uh, the first, I feel like, is fairly positively venerated, but, like, she killed a lot of people. Oh, yeah. A lot. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, your monarch... It happens. Mm-hmm. And well, and especially because they're having like at that point they're having um, religious problems because they keep switching religions back and forth, which makes people mad. Switching religions, <laughs> and, and it doesn't the easiest way to deal with that is just to kill the people who are yelling at you. So there you go, blank slate, start over. We're done. Um, but like some people get the treatment. Um, that Catherine gets where she, uh, you know, is from a different country. She's Italian uh, in France. And so there's, like, xenophobia about that, which is ridiculous, you know, because they're so similar. Right. (laughs) It's insane. And then um, also uh, another claim you hear about her is that she's not royal, which is not true. Like, we already talked about um, that she uh, is descended from... Uh, her a woman who's descended from a French princess. So, like, not only does she have royalty, she has French royalty in her blood. So I'm like, that's not true either. But people are just trying to crap on her because they don't like her because she's Italian. Mm-hmm. Gross. So she's an evil witch. And also, um, I've, have you ever heard of her flying squadron? That sounds amazing. <laughs> she had flying monkeys who did her bidding. Yeah, because she's a witch. Oh, wow. She's like head witch. She's head witch, mm-hmm. arch witch, hey. uh, Catherine de' Medici. <laughs> so the name Flying Squadron comes from um, dance. Dancing monkeys? I'm dancing Dancing right now. flying monkeys? Yeah. Her squad? Because Catherine, uh, we talked about, introduces ballet to French court. Oh, yeah. And so um, when she has this uh, group of women with her, her entourage, if you will, that they're called the Flying Squadron. Squad goals. After the dance, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, The dance background. Because when when you do some dances in ballet, it's like you're flying. Uh, Yeah, especially ballet. I don't know as much at the time. Yeah. Because it's certainly, as it's grown. I'm sure it's different. As a dance form, it's been like higher, further, faster. Right, of course. Always. Um... But I think even at the time, probably they were doing, like, jumps and lifts and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, probably not as much and probably not as high or intense. But uh, definitely at some points people look like they're flying because mm-hmm. why else would they name her thing that? Yeah. And obviously squadron is, like, militaristic. And this is a uh, – I have a quote that says, This band of beautiful, loyal women to their queen engaged in antics that would make Caligula blush. Oh, my gosh. I need, like, I need an anime. I need an HBO series. I need a full Beyonce album. Hold on. No, I'm— Contain yourself. I can't. Hold on. I'm not— I, I haven't gotten to the point yet. I can't. You don't need to. Um, no, I do. <laughs> 
um, all with the aim of helping her retain power. The group of around 80 women were handpicked for their charms and sexual prowess, and the court delighted in sharing tales of their sordid activities. I love it. Um, in French, it's called they're called a escadron volant, which is flying squadron. Yeah, of course. And it would become, it says, as much a part of Catherine's legend as poison and intrigue. I disagree. I've never heard of this. Um, I had heard of this before. That's why I was looking it up, um, because I was like, oh, yeah. And then I looked it up a while ago, I think, and there just wasn't a lot of people talking about it. And some of the sources I read were like, uh, we don't know if that's true or not. And so then I was like, oh, okay. Um but because of school, I found a book when I was looking up things about her where there's a chapter in it that's specifically, at least part of the chapter, is specifically dedicated to her and her flying squadron. Nice. And it's got a whole bunch of, like, very well-researched, like, footnoted pages yes. of really good sources from yes. um, this woman. Hold on. I have to look up what it is real quick. Um, the book is called Politics of Female Households, Ladies-in-Waiting Across Early Modern Europe. And the specific chapter is called A Stable of Whores, uh, The Flying Squadron of Catherine de' Medici. And it's uh, by Una Michelvena. So Mm. thanks, Una. Um, And uh, (laughs) Stable of Horses. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to use some outdated terms um, and like some mean sounding terms. Incendiary terms. Yeah, to refer to them, but that's because that's what people are using to talk about them. So, like, those are the words people are saying. These are the quoted words. <laughs> These are the things people say. Um, like that one specifically, uh, there's a verse from 1584 uh, describes Catherine's entourage saying, Catin, you are fortunate to have a stable of horse. <laughs> I see where the title came from Uh for the paper. There we go, right on the first Mm. page. Um, They also, apparently, in the French, they use the word um, harass, which means, uh, I said that weird, sorry, (laughs) it translates to stud farm. So Very classy. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we're doing. So um, there is a conception, because of a lot of writings about Catherine, and the women that she employed, that um, she was, like, a master manipulator, like, controlling them, telling them who to flirt with and who to have sex with and who to, you know, go after to, mm. for her own personal means and, like, exploiting them. Like, part uh, head madam, part head of a uh, lobbyist group. Yes, uh, within court. And... Um, the chapter that I read mostly talks about how that's not true, <laughs> um, which is why, like, at first I was like, oh, that's sad. Because I'm like, I kind of want it to be true. That's why I was like, you got to wait a minute. Because I'm like. No, 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 no. I was excited because, like, I want it to be fictionalized and I want them to be, oh, like, right. assassins on real broomsticks. Right. And that's, I mean, that can 100% still be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as they're like, this isn't really how it happened. In uh, case you can't tell, they didn't actually have magic assassin powers. I mean, they could have, but they didn't. Not in the anime. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, in case you're wondering, this anime isn't, like, perfectly accurate to history. The the interesting thing to me, basically, is that, like, the reason, like, people still think that that's true, possibly, even currently. Um, And the reason is because there's a whole bunch of satirical writings from, like, fraternal groups of Mm. men. Yeah. Um, 
little clubs they have. Oh, yeah. Where they're writing, like, Mm -hmm. about all of the things these slutty women are doing. Little notes in everybody's yearbook. And how Catherine's just under, you know, they're all under her spell and her control entirely. Cool. Um, And, you know, the whole chapter is uh, Una breaking that all down and being like, no, no, no. Um, And pointing out that, like, a lot of these sources where those things are coming from don't make sense. (laughs) And it's like, what? Who who is this guy and why is he saying that? And, like, where's his proof? And, like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, there's no. Prove it to me. Right. Because there's not really evidence. And, like, a lot of these things are clearly um, fictional or satirical, Mm -hmm. which is funny because in a lot of things I read, too, they compare Catherine to Machiavelli. Um, and specifically being like, you know, Machiavellian, not like him specifically, mm-hmm. which is then even more ironic to me that um, the prince was written for her, like father or whatever. Yeah. Um, because in my class uh, when I was in college, we did a uh, or I was in a renaissance class and we talked about uh, we read the prince and we talked about it in class. And <laughs> my teacher was basically like, do you think he's being serious or not? Um, and for a lot of people in my class, I think they had never even considered that he wasn't being serious, right? Uh, right. Because of just how it's presented normally. And so they were like, well, yeah, like this, he, you know, just he, this is what he thinks should be happening. It, it's functional. Yeah. If you take it seriously, why right. would it not be serious? And then he's like, okay, does anyone think it's not serious? And then me and a few other people are like, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> this seems ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it was like. We, we had a conversation about how a lot of historians now think that he was being satirical and or writing that because he thought that would get him a job because he thought that's what the new prince would like. Mm-hmm. And then once he got a job, he could do his own agenda. You know, just like how sometimes people say things to, like, get elected to a position and then they don't do those things because they're like, well, now I have the power, so I don't need your, to talk to you anymore to do what you want. I'm already elected. Yeah. It's fine. Um, And a lot of that is interesting just because there's, like, big debate on that still by historians, like, whether or not it's, like, uh, satire or, like, really how he felt about things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, that it spawned a whole, like, word in English people use regularly to be, like, oh, evil (laughs) and conniving and terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, that's a very similar thing to what happens with Catherine, too. And it's because I think, like, historians at the time or, like, currently, I should say, don't, like— like, t- are taking things too much at face value and not thinking, like, maybe people are just writing things <laughs> to, you like, know, like, just say stuff. Like, humans just write things sometimes? Like, this—basically, all of this is just, like, gross men around court writing fan fiction. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Like, they do. Mm-hmm. Like, they've always done. Mm-hmm. Like, all, you know, always. Right, and there's nothing wrong with fan fiction, but when you're pretending that fan fiction is what's really happening, <laughs> gets um, confusing. Especially yeah. when women always end up being the villains. And it it could be true. But you shouldn't just Maybe. Like, assume always every every time right. you need to think about it. Like, it's like I was thinking about uh as far back as like the uh Hatshepsut episode mm-hmm. where like the construction workers are like drawing confi- or like graffiti yeah on the walls mm-hmm. and it's being like being lewd and gross being lewd and gross and it's like i don't know maybe they were having an affair but like we don't know we don't have any actual proof that but that was happening you shouldn't take construction workers <laughs> lewd drawings as fact right 
It just it doesn't make sense to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a weird argument to make because they say like that she has been grooming these women for a really long time and doing all these things, you know. And um, when Catherine first gets to court, when she marries Henry, um, she's fourteen, and he's fourteen. Um, and she's not queen yet because his father's still alive. His father dies, like, pretty soon after that, so they become regents pretty fast. But uh, even once she's queen, she doesn't get to pick who's in her team mm-hmm. um, at all. Like, Henry picks them. Sure. They're all women, but Henry picks all of them, which is why, like, his uh, mistress's daughters are very high up in Catherine's, like, you know, hierarchy of women in her entourage. Entourage, yeah. And I doubt they would be um, if Catherine got a pick. Yeah. Like, it's just very unlikely. And it seems like a very strong, like, <laughs> um, you know, letting her know kind of who is in charge, being Henry, but, like, who he prefers, mm-hmm. you know? That, like, they don't have to be in there at all. But he's like, oh, well, now that I can sure. put them wherever I want. Like, he, yeah, he probably owes some favors. It keeps his mistress happy. It yeah. keeps, like, an ear Your head lady is going to be my mistress's daughter. Yeah. It's fine. Not his daughter, I want to say. No, no. But her <laughs> from, a, from her previous marriage, yeah. her, her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, still, you know... Probably not the your favorite person to be around when that's happening. Uh, well, you just showed up and are like, oh, I just, it's not, I didn't arrange any of this. Maybe I, not who you would have picked. I have no s- control over anything that's happening to me. Maybe not who you would have picked. <laughs> and so um, she has the same ladies that whole time while Henry is alive. Um, Henry dies, you know, uh, I think like he's regent for a while. Like they're... I mean, she has 10 kids with him, you know, and only seven of them, like, live. But that's a lot, and that takes a while. Um, so they're, like, regents for at least, like, 15 years, um, which is kind of long for the people, like, the French kings around this time. Mm-hmm. And um, when he dies, uh, Francis is old enough that he becomes king immediately. And so then she doesn't have—she's um, not queen anymore. Right, because Mary becomes queen, mm-hmm. and all of her people move directly over to Mary. Yeah, same same people just transplant them over there. Yeah, they don't they don't change the working office; they just transfer the staff. Yep, and and then Catherine doesn't need that many people, right? She just needs like servants. She doesn't need like ladies in waiting and all of those things because now she's kind of nothing. Um, she's just queen mother, but like not queen in charge of anything currently. So she's just kind of like hanging out. Um, being mom. Yeah, you know, knitting. Yeah. But um, Francis is sickly as a kid, and he dies in like a year and a half. Like instantly. Like <laughs> Pretty quickly. The second they let him out of the house, yeah. he dies. He gets to be king for like a year and a half. The fresh air touches his <laughs> ear, and he instantly collapses. And he gets two ear infections and dies. <laughs> um, and so once he dies, like, what happens, right? Mm-hmm. New king. Right. They're like shark teeth. The next one pops up. She's got younger ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on how you look (laughs) at it, um, her son Charles is 10 and he's not old enough to be king. No. Uh, Apparently in in France at this point, you have to be 15 or 14. I think it's 15. It's weird. They 
put a date on it. They actually have an age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh. It's clearly happened before. <laughs> they needed one. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, he can't. He needs somebody to be regent. Yeah. The Acting mom, regent in charge. The moms get all weird when we let them rule for 15 years beforehand. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's just not good to do. Mm-hmm. So... It seems, from what I've read, like, what would usually happen is they would go to the nearest, like, person who had claim to the throne, man, um, who could be king. Mm-hmm. So potentially, assumingly then, not from your family, because that then, why wouldn't that person already be king? Yeah. Um, so, like, the, the old king's, like... <laughs> brother or yeah. some weird cousin nephew or something. Right. And that they're going to be regent. This seems rife for problems. <laughs> Doesn't it? Like, it seems like why it would very easily create issues. Why would they give it up? Yeah. Right. That becomes the problem. <laughs> I mean, how is it not a problem immediately? <laughs> how is it not a problem just in the conception stage? Why wouldn't they just kill that kid? And the other ones. What's happening? Or just say, well, I'm in charge now. So um, Catherine's not stupid, and she's like, this is not going to work for me. (laughs) This seems like Um, a terrible idea. As, like, from what I've read about Catherine, her greatest loyalties are to um, her family first and France second. And so she's most worried about her kids um, and, you know, them getting to be royal and in charge. Yeah, and, like, live and, and live them to that age. <laughs> so that's what she's worried about. So um, the closest regent who could be monarch at this moment is King Antoine of Navarre. Oh. So Navarre is that uh, we talked about. It's right on the border of Spain and France. Um, With the queen that... She maybe didn't kill, who hated all the religious policies yeah, that they were it's doing. Probably like, <laughs> it's like the her worst, husband. The worst thing that could possibly be happening. Probably is, her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's happened yet, if they're like <laughs> oh, married great. yet or anything. But um, yeah, that's, that's who it is. Oh, great. And um, she, uh, th- this is one of the reasons that people, I think, think these things about her. Is because she apparently talked to him and uh-huh. was like, no, I'm going to do it. Uh-huh. Like, I'm going to be regent for my kid. And he apparently ceded to her that she he could do it. peed his pants. <laughs> um, without objection. Mm-hmm. And then Parliament was like, okay. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could have been in the room. <laughs> I can't. Can you imagine how scared he must have been? <laughs> Like the scariest, like a queen, a mom. <laughs> I like, hope, I hope, like his wife had already died, and he thinks that she killed her. <laughs> he's and he's oh. like, no, go for it. You should do it. You should be in charge. I don't want to be. I never really wanted. No, no, they were gonna make me. I'm perfectly fine being king of this tiny no. plot of land. I don't want to be king of France. I just want to raise geese. You just leave me in alone. In the country, I it's fine. I never wanted this. <laughs> Please don't. But one of, like, but this becomes a, like, pattern for Catherine where she's able to, like, ex- uh, exert political influence over men specifically. Mm-hmm. And then other men are like, she's got whores helping her. <laughs> they're they're being seduced by the boobs. Okay. Because, you know, we already talked about how Catherine's ugly, so she's not capable of doing it herself. She's not capable of using her wiles. So she rounded up a whole bunch of hot women, and she was like, you're going to do it. Like she would need to. She was just, like, scary AF. 
and just, like, put the fear of death into him. Yeah, it's funny because to go along with this, I was editing our episode where we watched Rain, Mm -hmm. which was, like, pretty funny um, (laughs) to me. Yeah. And, uh, like, the best thing in that is about Catherine just, like— Shutting people down and just being her awesome self. Mm-hmm. The actress who plays Catherine in that is lovely. She's great. And um, and I do think they portray her in a really good way where she's, like, complex and— But also um, human. Like, she's, she's humanized. She's very human and, like, conniving, but in a way that's always, like, trying to be positive. Mm-hmm. And when she's, like, being mean, it's almost always because she's trying to, like, help you and she's just not a very nice person. Yeah. And it's, like, because nice doesn't help you. In her position at all. No. And it's like she wouldn't survive if she was nice. You don't get to be a powerful lady if you're a nice lady. Right. And (laughs) you just don't. And even if, like, his wife is still alive, I'm sure already, like, if they've had any conversations, we had that quote where she was like, she keeps tearing me down and making fun of me and making people think I'm evil. And I'm like, (laughs) yep. Oh, I should say, you don't get to be a powerful man if you're a nice man either. It's just Mm -hmm. stigmatized less. Yes. You're, You're allowed to be. Well, yeah. We were talking about this, like, a few days ago. Like, yeah. That, like, the words that women have used against them have synonyms for men that are all, like, positive terms. Mm-hmm. Like, when women are being aggressive, men are being assertive. Yeah. And when women are being, like, I don't know, um, like, women are being forceful mm-hmm. and men are being, like, confident. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, like, a woman's trying to force her ideas on you and a man's just sure. showing, like, how. She's shrill. Yeah. She's being shrill. Right. And I just, like. This is slightly di- going back a couple steps. Mm-hmm. So this whole issue with like her getting kind of back into the game mm-hmm. is because look, there wouldn't be an issue if uh, like of age of the the prince mm-hmm. if the king wasn't dead. So like one of the parents is probably still alive, uh-huh. but you can't have the mom step in. Otherwise, you would have just done that. Yeah, which is what a lot of places do. Uh-huh. Which is why you know have. Things again, like our old Egypt episode. She's like, I'm just gonna be king. Yeah. Forever. Uh huh. Forever. Yeah. Uh, but they're like, what if we just like don't have the ladies involved? She's like, hell no, I'm gonna be involved. No, I'm gonna. Uh, and then they got upset about it. Yeah. And that's what this is. They're like, uh, sluts. Mm hmm. Pretty much. I'm like, I'm so over it. It's really gross. Is she doing a bad job? No. Doesn't sound like it. Um, so I have a quote that says, Catherine now held an unprecedented position of power, which she reportedly gained by commanding one of her ladies, Louise de la Béraderie, uh, to seduce and manipulate Antoine into handing over the regency to Catherine. So they think that she sent a whore to him and was like, make him like me so that he'll give it to me. I don't think like had anything to do with it. Yeah. I can't imagine it. <laughs> I think it was more like, if you do this there's like no power in this world or heaven or hell that's going to save you from everything <laughs> that i'm going to do to you yeah i'm like i doubt there is any beautiful women in the room she doesn't want them to be distracted no i'm from <laughs> i'm imagining like a very dark room there's maybe like a very low fire and everything's like in shadow mm-hmm. and he's just He's probably pooped himself. Yeah. This episode should be called Men Are So Afraid of Catherine de Medici. <laughs> uh, it's like one of it's like a darker scene in Game of Thrones or like House of Cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
Um, I have another quote that says, it's possible this rumor was an attempt to discredit Catherine's rule. And I'm like, possible? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for if she had seized power through unjust and wily means, nothing else she would be or nothing else she did would be seen as legitimate. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're trying to just crap on her entire reign because now uh, that she's regent, and like I said, her son's 10, so she's going to be queen straight up for like five years yeah. with no Henry to tell her what to do or to be in charge of her. And at this point, she has been technically in charge of France before, mm-hmm. but only when Henry was away at war. Yeah, so he was still there. There he, was still yeah. a veneer of... You know, manly it, control. Right. And the and the second he would die, like, she wasn't going to be in charge anymore. Francis was going to be in charge. Yeah. So, like, this is the only time when she's, like, free doing it herself. Mm-hmm. And she's got five good years to just do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, There's so, going to be this filthy Italian on the throne. Gross. Gross. And she's a lady. I wonder why all the men around her keep dying. And I'm like, it's actually really <laughs> not her fault. Yeah, probably not her fault. <laughs> but I'm sure people would like to blame it on her. It's unfortunate that neither of the people who have died were poisoned because uh, that would make it easier, huh? It would. To blame it on her. It? Nah, if it's not the poison, it's the whores. Mm-hmm. So I have another quote that says, uh, Charlotte de Sauve, who helped eliminate another major threat to Catherine's power. Um, so this is another one of her ladies, apparently, who's going around sleeping with people for her. Um, when Queen Regent got word of a plot to overthrow her between Henry of Navarre, who's married to her daughter, and he later will become King of France, and the Duke of Alessan, um, she sent Madame de Sauve in to seduce both men, is what people say okay. happened. Mm. Uh, I have a quote that says, Catherine's daughter bitterly recalled how well her mother's plan worked because she would have sent her there to then seduce her daughter's husband. Um, de Sauve treated Navarre and Alençon in such a way that they became extremely jealous of each other to such a point that they forgot their ambitions, their duties, and their plans and thought of nothing but chasing after this woman. It's almost like they shouldn't be in charge of a country. <laughs> Thus, the plot against the throne was foiled without a single drop of blood being shed, leading to uh, one satirist to exclaim, Catherine, you're fortunate to have a stable of whores. Is, so like, that's an, what they're talking about. Any of this founded in fact? Um, well, there is that account from, um, from Catherine's daughter, Marguerite. Okay. Where she's saying that's what her mother did. Mm-hmm. However, I will remind you that I already talked about how Catherine and Marguerite do not have a good relationship at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, possible that this was her plan and, and that's like, what she wanted to do. And, like, maybe that's why they don't get along. But it's also entirely possible that she did not do that. And it's just, like, this woman is in, like, her you know, entourage, but she was just like, go feel, go get a feeler for what's going on, and that she slept with those two guys, mm-hmm. or didn't, and just, like, had them fawning over her. If uh, it takes one hot woman to, um... Foil an assassination plot. <laughs> foil an assassination plot, or, like, foil a person's attempt to be king of France, then, like, you don't deserve to be king of France. No. Or any of the things. No, yeah, and it's just, like, that's the thing about all of these. It's, like, even if Catherine would be doing these things, I don't, like, have a problem with it. (laughs) You, like, 
these people need to try harder. Because, yeah, and none of this, the way that they paint it is like that she's entirely in control of these women and their sex lives. And uh-huh. I'm like, I really don't think so. Uh-huh. Um, like, I'm going to talk about right here, uh, her arranging marriages for people in her entourage. And this is very normal for queens to do, mm-hmm. where... You want to make sure that your ladies are married to good men, you know, who are going to help up their status, who are going to help your country um, have good relations with different countries and with different dukes and lords around the country and, you know, just make everything good. Mm -hmm. Um, And Catherine really seems to have, like, specifically cared that her ladies were, like, happy with their arrangements, which is very nice because she does not have to. Mm -hmm. Um, She can kind of insist that they marry whoever she wants them to. Yeah. And they just kind of have to do it. Uh, so you don't have to be nice about it. And I think that's one of the things, too, that a lot of people crap on her for are just things that queens, I don't know, do. And Right. It's kind of like a bonus package if you're a lady-in-waiting to a queen. Is it like you get to marry up, probably? Yeah, hopefully. And uh, hopefully to someone you like. But, like, that's debatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a man, uh, Imbert uh, de la Platière. Uh, who's a lieutenant general in Piedmont, so I probably said his name really wrong because that's in Italy. And um, he married her lady-in-waiting, Françoise de Bergerot, um, in 1561 without consulting Catherine first. So just marries her clandestine. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm going to tell you the horrible thing she says to him, um, which is, uh, I would have desired that before you had done it that you had written me a little letter because loving you as I do... I would have taken great pleasure in counseling you and in having been able to help arrange the marriage. Gosh, she's such a, a wicked witch. What a bitch. Isn't she? <laughs> Gosh, she's so rude. Gosh, just mean. Ice in her veins. She's like, that's not who I told you to sleep with and marry. <laughs> you can hear the cloven hoof just pop out. Like, <laughs> it's like the nicest thing I've ever heard anyone say. <laughs> like, I would have just liked to help make sure it was good for you. Yeah, I would have. I would have sent I you money, you. darling. I would have. It would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> that sounds like the Catherine I know, the evil poison queen of doom. <laughs> and then a week later, she was found poisoned in her bed. No. And not to crap on a different woman who's queen. But just to give you an idea, um, in that chapter, <laughs> Una talks about uh, this in a comparable study of Queen Elizabeth I's court, uh, Ro- or Joanna Rickman argues that in order to assert her authority as an unmarried female sovereign, Elizabeth needed to be able to control the sexual activity of the members of her court. Her well-documented rage at the clandestine weddings of her ladies, often accompanied by a punishment of imprisonment, Mm. was typical of the response that the couple would have been expected from their own parents. Rough. Yeah. So, like, other regents are doing similar things with arranging marriages, but not very nicely. Um... Because, you know, as opposed to Catherine, who does not need to be controlling women's sex lives, Elizabeth kind of does. Mm -hmm. Um, Because she doesn't have, she's not supposed to have one of her own. So it's like, which is hilarious to me too, because like obviously Catherine is not a virgin queen because she has kids and was married and clearly that's what happened. Yeah. But it really seems like after she's had her kids, she is. Mm -hmm. Like she's just like, no, I'm done and I don't care and it doesn't matter and I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm only interested in my children in France and that's it. Um, 
comparatively to Elizabeth, who, you know, we we know she was sleeping with multiple people, mostly, you know, Lord Darnley, but other people probably. And it's all a facade. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's fine. But, you know. Yeah, you do you. But it just ends up being like, oh, you know, Catherine over here, evil queen, terrible woman, controlling, blah, blah, blah. Elizabeth, pure, virginal, kind, blah, powerful, yeah. great woman. And then it's like, no. Your no. your PR gotta be good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let's just level them out a little bit here <laughs> and realize that, you know, it just depends on who's talking about whom. And they specifically talk about how... You would assume that if Catherine is trying to, you know, get men distracted by her ladies so that she can make deals with them and trick them, which is funny in and of itself that, you know, it's always women being slutty and never men being horny. Like, that's never the problem. <laughs> no. No, how could that be the problem? No. Um, it's an ever. How, when? Uh, why would that be? Name a single time. <laughs> that's never happened. Only because women are slutty. Yeah. And so... Uh, you would think that to, like, these important meetings with ambassadors and men and whatever, <laughs> yeah. that she's bringing, like, her hottest ladies to go to these meetings. Yeah. Got to get the goods. The best stable horses. As uh, <laughs> as Dwight says on uh, <laughs> The Office, you got to put the most pretty beats in the front. Those oh. are the money beats. <laughs> no. Don't. Yep. So you uh, would think that would be what she was doing, right? Classy. I mean, yeah, you gotta. Especially when you're having, like, ambassadors or, like, people from other countries come visit and that you're going to be like, these are the hottest people I got so that you're, um, you know, interested in what I'm saying. You don't bring your interns to, like, business day. See, but Catherine does. Um, in... 1550, she has a dinner with the Venetian ambassador, and she allows her, her youngest girls to come eat with them and to, like, have their dinner party. Mm. Um, mm, I don't think it's mm. gross. Mm. Um, like, her, at her table is an 11-year-old Diane de France, which is the bastard child of her own husband. Okay. Um, with his mistress, I'm assuming. Um, along with Jeanne de Savoy, uh, who is the daughter of the Duke of Nemours, and Françoise de Rohan, who is 15. Or they're both 15. And, um, like, this is a really big honor to be able to go to this dinner, meet with this guy. And, you know, Catherine is not bringing, like, little girls there to slut it up. She's, like, <laughs> bringing them so that they understand how to do these kind of right, meetings. Right, it's training. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what she's interested in. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's all this talk about how she's controlling these women and she's using them and all this stupid stuff. And all of it's like, no, she's training them. Mm-hmm. She's teaching them how to do things. Right. And she's also, like, letting them live their lives. If she was a king and doing this with young men, it would not be a problem. No. Uh, it says, the queen mother had a responsibility to oversee the upbringing of her younger ladies, ensuring that they were prepared for the demands that would be placed on them as married noblewomen. Mm-hmm. Diplomacy, the running of estates, and the management of their own households. Yep. So she's just trying to teach them how to be, like, successful women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, the horror. Right. There's a lot of estate management when you're a noblewoman. 100%. A lot of, like, managing books and, like, keeping on top of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I have to say, so in in the Rain episode that we watched, like, I found something that was actually accurate that I didn't even think about Mm because I didn't know about this before. That there was, like, I told you before that Catherine liked building things and, Mm -hmm. like, constructing things. And there was, like, a specific, um, like, chateau that she had worked on that she, like, built to her, like, perfect pleasure. And then Henry let Diane live in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Just gave it to her. Yeah, this one's yours. As a present. 
And I'm like, mm, you're so stupid. And uh, in the episode we watched, you know, he's like begging Catherine to help him. And he's like, what do I have to give you? And she's like, give me the house. Ooh, she wants the house. And he's like, but <laughs> Diane lives there. And she's like, okay, I won't help you then. Good luck. You know, and then he's like, wait, wait, okay, okay, okay. I'll give it to you. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, and that's not what happens in real life. Yeah. Like that's, uh, you know, she gets it because <laughs> he dies. Uh, and then she's in charge. But it's like a cute minute. little call out. It is. And it's like, it makes you realize that the people who wrote that show, like, do kind of know things. Mm-hmm. Like they have a historian there at least doing something. That's so And so I'm like, I want the house. But my mistress. But Diane lives there. She loves it. But I won't help you, you stupid, stupid man. Move her. You can cover up how you shoved a girl out a window all on your own. I built that house. <laughs> what have you done lately besides shoving girls out windows? <laughs> uh, and it's not just Catherine receiving this treatment at the time, obviously. Uh, any woman who has power or influence, especially in France, I think, at the time is being treated badly. Uh, like Claude Catherine de Clermont, who's a Maréchal de Ritz, um, and she's, like, hosting salons in her hotel and, like, really smart. And it's, like, a group of ladies who are just getting together to, like, write and talk about literature and art and all this beautiful things. And it's great. Um, but then, of course, men hear about it and they're like, oh, these <laughs> slutty lesbians hanging out. Oh, these lesbians. Um, and that's apparently a big thing, too, at the time in French culture. And a lot of the things they're saying about um, the Flying Squadron is that they are, like, also supposedly, like, seducing men's wives and, like, cuckolding them. I mean, just let them have fun. Come on. And But, I mean, it's all just, like, extreme exaggeration. And I'm just like, pick one. Are they sleeping with your wives <laughs> or are they sleeping with you? Yeah. Pick one. What is it? I doubt it's both. But it's just all ridiculous. No. We can't have utter control of women's sexualities, and it's no fun for us. Right. Um, But, like, of that, you know, lovely woman who's just having a good time being smart and awesome with other women, um, there's an anonymous writer of La Menefice des Dames de la Côte. Um, would it says eventually paint her as an adulterous wife waiting for her husband to die so she could marry her lover, um, Charles de Balsac, uh, Baron <laughs> de Deans. Uh, Mr. Balsac. <laughs> I mean, yep, pretty much. Uh, if only I could marry the Balsac. <laughs> it's a place in France. <laughs> mm, the, the wonderful soil, Rink, uh, wrinkly, mm, nasty, droopy it's a, soil. It's a great place to be. Love it. Um, then I can be Madame Ballsack. <laughs> It'll be the greatest time of my <laughs> life. I can only hope some of these women were just running off with other ladies. Mm-hmm. The best ending to any of this. I mean, sure. So Catherine, you know, is hosting a lot of parties and, like, jousting tournaments and, like, plays for when people are coming to visit court because that's what you do when you're a good yeah. hostess. Give them entertainment. You host. Um, But they're... Apparently are often lewd happenings at these parties. <laughs> sure. Like um, Pierre de Estoile uh, says of an occasion of debauchery. <laughs> at this lovely banquet, the most beautiful and charming women of the court were employed as serving ladies, being half naked with their hair down loose like brides. You know, like a bride. Um, I want you to know, um, he wasn't at that party. He was just like, he had a case of FOMO. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't get invited. I bet there were girls with their hairs down. And there were boobs out. And and there were so many boobies. (laughs) 
And so, like, he's writing about these things. And he's not. It's it's like this nerd doesn't get invited to the cool person's party, and they wrote fan fiction about it. That's what's happening. But they had the cool cakes that I like. Um, they also make a point to describe that, like, there there is a trend, especially in France, at some points, of women, um, like, having one boob out. <laughs> and, like, that, that might have been what he was talking about. Mm. Like, that he might have heard from someone like, that, like, uh, women had an exposed breast. Yeah. And like then he was the, like, ooh, um, slutty time. The Lady France and the mm-hmm. Portrait of Liberty or whatever it is yeah. for the revolution. Right. Got a boob out. Yeah, you know, just get it out. Whip, that's your party boob. It's a party tit. Get it out. Get out your party tit. He's like, <laughs> I want to get my party tit out. And he's like, oh, I bet they had both tits out. And I'm like, just one, I bet friend. it was such a big party, there were like double tits out. <laughs> and their hair was down loose, all slutty. But their hair was down. <laughs> Only a slut would wear their hair down. It's true. Once you're married, it has to be up. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, but it's just a whole bunch of stupid and, like, I love it in the literature. Una basically says, like, even if women were, like, maybe more scantily clad at this party, like, had a boob out, um, that's just, like, part of the style at the time. And basically, like, Pierre just doesn't know what he's talking about because he's, like, a lowly moron. Like, he just doesn't get upper class because he's not in the elite. And so he's like, oh, look how slutty they are. <laughs> the slutty upper class. He sounds like he's English, honestly. <laughs> I mean, his name is very French, so I don't think he is. I know, but he sounds like an Englishman. He's like, oh, yeah. Those slutty French parties with the booby out. <laughs> Whoa. Um, Having a bacchanal like a Frenchie. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and part of the reason that people think that Catherine was, like, um, very, like, aggressive and, you know, forceful and things is in part to do with her son. Um, because when he finally gets power, um, he just does stupid things. <laughs> He's just kind of an idiot. I, I mean... Um, we, we know young kings and, have a... And not her son, Charles, who's on the up and up. Her, actually, her next one, Henry. Oh, when he gets to be yeah. king, um, he's a problem. Every Henry king of France is a problem. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he just is also bad. Yeah. Um, and when he becomes king, he is like, wow, a lot of these people in here are mostly loyal to my mother and not to me. We need to fix that. Mm. And I'm like... No, you don't. Do you? Your mom has your best interests at heart. Even though I think that, like, Charles, the one up and coming when she's queen, is her favorite kid. So I think she doesn't like Henry very much. But then Charles dies, so then it's like, well, now Henry. And then he's like, I hate mom because she never loved me very much. Mom never loved me. She only liked Charles. She only liked—she never liked me. (laughs) And I'm like, I wonder why. And so then he starts, like, just handing out— offices to people he likes Great. which then snubs a whole bunch of like you know um dukes and like mm-hmm. families that are loyal to the throne and they get upset and it's a whole thing because he doesn't understand how politics works he's probably a child yeah and then he's like third so like i don't think they were spending a lot of time teaching him how to be king they were like one of these two is going to be okay we didn't think we'd have to do she's this. like i didn't spend a lot of time with francis because he was already sick and i knew he was going to die but charles was supposed to be fine he was the favorite he was my boy but no it doesn't work out. She never cared for Henry. <laughs> Before that, though, <laughs> we go a little back in time. So while Charles is king, uh, once he finally is, Catherine doesn't, like, totally lose the influence she has because he, like, uh, is 
at home all the time. He doesn't like leaving, like, uh, where, you know, the palace, basically. I mean, if my older area. brother stepped outside and died on the spot, I wouldn't go yeah. outside. I gotta be inside. <laughs> and so, basically, like, traveling to make deals and things automatically falls on a Catherine, even though mm. she's getting, like, pretty old. That's that's a little rude. Yeah, like, let your old mom take a break, dude. <laughs> she's so old. Let her stay home. But honestly, she is the most capable person in this building possibly that's, ever, that's so true. she should probably do it. Ooh, you think so? <sighs> yeah. Ever. Quite possibly. I mean... In this one, at least. This, like, particular building or that yeah. office? This building. Okay. Whatever palace they're currently living in. Okay. Probably. Um, we. I, I want to pick your brain on, like, most um, effective French rulers ever. Oh. I mean, most of them are very non-effective. So. <laughs> it's a small list. It's hard. It's Well, there's so many factors. Mm-hmm. But and I don't know all of them. Yeah. I don't know everything. But. And I like, I don't. Maybe once we get later in this podcast, I'll have talked about enough of them that I'll have a list. Yeah, like, because, like, at this point, I'm like, it's Catherine de Medici and, like, uh, Charlemagne. Uh, does that count? <laughs> no. Uh, it does if you're French. Yeah, I guess. The French thinks it counts. That's true. And Napoleon. I and mean, Napoleon's pretty effective. The Sun Boy and. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Those are just the ones I can name. Those are just the ones I know about. <laughs> um, they aren't effective. Those are just the ones I know. Yeah. But so she has to, like, travel all over the country, which is quite big, and they don't have, you know, road systems and cars, so yeah. it takes a while. Napoleon hasn't happened yet. No. He hasn't <laughs> fixed it for Ro- them. Roads haven't been invented yet. <laughs> they don't know how to do roads, <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> the Romans built you roads. Napoleon invented roads. Like. In France. <laughs> 1,500 years ago, they built you roads. Yeah. They built you some roads. But they aren't taking care of them, and they don't know how to do things. So she'll travel really far away to, like, you know, negotiate with people and just to, like, make sure things are cool with everyone. Even though, like, historians later are like, no, she sucked at politics. And I'm like, because she's, like, got the sluts or what is it? Why? (laughs) She got a case of them sluts. (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) So Catherine um, goes to... That's so, uh, like, like sluts can't get stuff done. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, um, people in the past and male historians are very slut-shamey. Mm-hmm. You'd never um, guess. You would mm. never guess. Yeah. I, I love this specific uh, chapter that I downloaded because it's not only, like, very harsh on satirical writings at the time and just, like, men in general and being like, come on, morons. Yeah. But it's also pretty harsh on, like, male modern historians being like, first of all, why are you treating this like it's real? Yeah. Just because these losers wrote this, like, next to other rumors they're writing down. And second of all, like, why, even if it was true, why are you being so slut-shamey about it? Right. Uh, Even now. Have I ever told you one of the um, Swedish boys that I follow? Mm-hmm. He, he was playing, like, some little survival game. And he was like, oh, have you heard about these things called, uh, what are they, mega sluts? <laughs> mega sluts? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are, what? Mega sluts? Scoozy? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? And he gets on Google in the middle of this game, and he's like, look, mega sluts. And it's like a mega sloth. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. oh. okay. Oh, that makes sense. He's not sloth shaming. He's not sloth shaming. No, it's fine. 
anyway, so Catherine um, is doing one of these travels for negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of religious wars in France at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, this is to end the fifth one. <laughs> um and she travels, I don't know where exactly, but she gets there and there's like two or like 20,000 soldiers standing there. Just like, you know. And then she's talking to like the head dude. Yeah. And is like, look, we need to figure this out, basically. Look. And um, apparently a lot of historians are like, she brought her sluts and they were <laughs> dancing for the men and stuff. What? And I'm like, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound, What? And but Why? my favorite thing about this, she brought her sluts. Uh-huh. Ooh, <laughs> okay. Um, uh. My favorite thing about this too to like disprove this like narrative of her being like, I need the hottest youngest women so that they'll you know flirt with the men and get the thing. Is like she keeps these same women even though she could change them for like decades. Yeah. So like a lot of these women are old, um, and not only that, but like some of them are just like. Not what you would typically say is attractive. Um, Like, I have a quote that says, Indeed, the gallant queen of Navarre was Catherine's own daughter, um, Marguerite de Valois, and we have seen Madame de Montpensier, also known as La uh, Boiteuse, which is the limper. Oh. Because she's got a bum leg. That's the woman she brought to seduce them. Hot. With her leg that doesn't really work very well. (laughs) She kind of waggles it around. Yeah, and they're like, ooh, stanky leg. (laughs) Ooh, she got that that swivel leg. <laughs> that only sort of works. I mean, whatever your kinks are, that's fine. But like, but like twenty one thousand men are all at once like I have discovered mm. a new kink about myself. Also, like I read a quote from um, her son Charles, who apparently was in talks momentarily to marry Elizabeth, which mm. obviously was not going to happen. Never. But it was just to like probably to scare Spain, is what it said, basically. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. And he apparently heard a rumor that she had varicose veins in one of her legs, and he was like, oh, yeah, that old woman with her gross legs. So it's like, that's not—at the time, having a limp is not attractive at all. Mm-hmm. People are like, wow, you're damaged. Something's wrong with you. And, like, varicose veins aren't even—they're not rare. Also, it was, very- I think it was a fake story anyway. Yeah. I don't even think she had them. He just heard that, and she was. he was like, ew, gross. I can't, even as a prank to Spain. Nasty. I can't do <laughs> I it. I would never. <laughs> right, and then she heard about that, and then apparently was like, yeah, I'm not marrying you. And I was like, I mean, you never were. I can't, not even as a prank to Spain. <laughs> you two um, are terrible. But, yeah, so she brought her daughter, who's married, and a girl with a limp. To do the negotiations. So I don't think her plan is to seduce 20,000 men plus this main guy with her daughter who's married and then limp girl, Mm -hmm. who I'm sure is lovely. She brought her (laughs) A-games. They're like the Harlem Globetrotters of sluts. (laughs) Um, And I want to talk about Henry for a bit. Um, Henry III is her son. So there's Charles, and he like... Goes crazy, kind of. Sure. Uh, which is probably because his dad was crazy. <laughs> so that happens. Yeah. And then Henry becomes king later. And he uh, doesn't like his mom, like I said. Mm-hmm. But uh, he also, like, is accused of things, kind of like Catherine, assumingly to, like, tear him down. Because while all this is happening, there's the House of Valois, which is where her family is from. Um, that's Henry of Valois and Francis of Valois. 
Um, but there's also um, the Bourbon family. Delicious. <laughs> and they're um, bubble. And they're uh, like the other main rival family. These, this sounds so stupid. <laughs> we're the Vavas and we're the Bourbons. The Valois and the Bubble. And so they, uh, there were like, she's worried all the time that the Bourbon family's gonna come in and like kick them out because mm-hmm. they have like pretty equal claim to what's going on, right? Same with like uh, Antoine from Navarre, like that's a problem. The Bourbons are also just kicking around and at any moment could bust in and be like, stab, stab, I'm in charge now. Mm-hmm. So she's always worried about that too. Um, and apparently she's also using her women to seduce Prince of Conde, who's from the Bourbon family, so that he will leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm also is probably not true. But um, maybe maybe her lady just actually likes him or they don't even have sex or nothing. So weird. Because, like, who knows? Like, listen, dudes. Like, like, really, is, like, one hot woman enough for you to be like, I don't need a whole other country. Yeah, I don't want to be king anymore. You're like, right. I just want to have sex with you. I... I'd rather have the country. <laughs> she's yeah. She's like, I mean, if if you take France, I won't sleep with you anymore. And then like, of course she would, because then you'd be king. Hello. What? <laughs> like, but is that is that no way she's ditching you at that point? Is that just us as women? Do women naturally just want countries more than the D? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Catherine would lead me to believe so. Yes. And then men just always want ladies more than they want countries. Yeah. Pretty much. Have we discovered the essential? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. The essential fatal flaw of all straight people. Yeah. Yeah. Or bias, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so Henry III uh, apparently, potentially, had uh, male lovers that he just, like, kept around. He at least had a group of men who were, like, his close friends. They called them the mignon. His uh, stable boys. <laughs> yeah. Wink, wink, um, wink, wink, wink. And they apparently, those men were, like, more effeminate than other men around. They were stable boys. Um, And, like, historians, or not historians, but, like, people at the time are giving him a lot of crap about it, (laughs) obviously. And there's no proof, I want to say, that he was sleeping with them. Nobody caught them. Nobody wrote it down. Nobody actually knows. Mm -hmm. All they know is that he had men around who were, like, less manly than other men. And so then they're like, ooh, it's gay. Mm -hmm. Um and there, see, the thing that annoys me, too, is there's some historians who are like, clearly, that's gay. And then there are other historians being like, he had mistresses. He couldn't be gay. And none of them are even considering that, like, maybe he's bi. <laughs> like, that's an option. Or, like, maybe he has mistresses to cover up that he's gay. Mm-hmm. Or, like, maybe he didn't sleep with those men. But, like, uh, that doesn't mean he wasn't attracted to men. Or, like, there's so many options that are just not being considered. And it just, you know, makes you realize that when you're surrounded by old white historian men who are straight, that it uh, comes out to a few options, you know. Right. And, like, not considering the actual complexity of people. I know. Like, if if you're looking at, like, old white dude historians, I'm surprised they even brought up the possibility of him being gay. I mean, they're probably in a very derogatory, like, nasty Yeah. See, well, and the reason is it's for the same reason, like, the reason that people think that he might have been gay is the same reason that people think that Catherine had the Flying Squadron. It's Mm -hmm. because people wrote satirical things about him sleeping with these men, and then they were like, oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's some historians saying, like, that's not true, and there is proof from him that he has mistresses. So then he's probably straight. But I'm just saying there are lots of options. Sure. Um, And not only that, but, like, Probably what they were doing was trying not to only crap on Henry, but to crap on Catherine still. Because they're trying to say, 
I think in a roundabout way, like he's not manly enough because that's one of the things they're talking about. Like he doesn't like hunting and he's not interested in war that much. So they're like, he's real girly. And they're like, that's because Catherine. Yeah. Because right. she's a woman in charge and had a whole, so much influence over him. Trying and to, there was no man because we didn't appoint a man to be in charge. Trying to pick away at his uh, authority by picking away at his masculinity mm-hmm. both through his like potential sexuality and all also like blaming that on his mother so i'm like thanks great cool um but like if you ever go to these it's terrible if you ever go to these historians and like look at these two historical people they were probably in like a really loving non-straight relationship they're like yeah. that's impossible no that's that don't you they can only happen if it's as a joke yeah as a cosmic joke and i have like some people i know um some like historians or people who are interested in history in general i know don't like to make assumptions about people's like sexual you know preferences or anything like that and i understand but at the same time like one i'm like they're dead so like whatever and two uh, if there's evidence that they might have been in those relationships, I have no problem with speculating about that. Sure. Like, if it seems like things might have been a certain way because of how they acted and it's documented, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's like, with these specific ones, um, it's like, do you think that because he has male friends who are feminine and, like, who he's very close with? And it's like, sure, that might be true. Yeah. Um, or because he's effeminate, maybe. But, like, the reason if you think that is because of these people saying those things, because they're lying, like, because they're just making a farce. Yeah. Then I have a problem with it. Because you're not understanding what those sources are for. And that they're not really actual sources. Mm-hmm. That this is just, like, garbage that people wrote. Can I tell you the very soft fantasy I have regarding this? Sure. That it was uh, maybe not even sexual, just, like, the grand gay tradition of, like, daddy kink, and he just wanted to impress a bunch of pretty boys. He's like, look at this uh, cool thing I have. And they're like, ooh, very cool. And he's like, hell yeah. And he's like, now I'm uh, important. I'm a cool kid. Because <laughs> these guys think I'm cool. They're like, oh, wow, good, yeah. jo- good job. Good for you. Good painting or, uh, like, good um, trophy or whatever. Right. And and some of that, I think, is he. The, the, these are the men that he's replacing mm-hmm. uh, Catherine's people with. Yeah, okay. So... I feel like there's also an assumption that, like, Catherine didn't teach him correctly. Yeah. Which is hilarious because if you think that Catherine, like, there's two options. It's like either Catherine's not good at politics and she should stay out of it or apparently she's good enough to teach him how to do it and she didn't do that. <laughs> right. Everything. It doesn't matter what she did. It's mm-hmm. bad. It's, yeah, it's wrong. wrong every it's time. It's wrong in yeah. every direction. Yeah. Either she should have been a better influence or she shouldn't have been an influence at all, and her influence ruined it. <sighs> History's fun, and so is uh, <laughs> gender politics. Wee! Um, so I have a few more things to tell you real quick. So Catherine dies, obviously. No. Everyone dies. Spoilers. Crying. Oh, that can't be right. Um, <laughs> we talked about that in the Rain episode, too. Did I was we? like, this person dies, and you, and you were like, <gasps> and I was like, everyone dies, Haley. <gasps> no. How dare you? You're ruining my life. I haven't even finished the episode. (laughs) You can't tell me everyone dies. Um, Not in that one. But so uh, Catherine dies, and then Anne Dest becomes um, de facto head of the Catholic League in Paris. Oh. And thereby the most powerful woman in France. They sound like vampire hunters. (laughs) They do. I hope they are. (laughs) Um, So she becomes, like, head honcho of France, basically, by being in charge of that. Like... Um, assumingly better than the queen. Or maybe there's not a queen right now. Don't know. But so uh, 
she becomes super awesome. And just, then... Uh, just, you know, she just becomes super awesome. And her... But meanwhile, her daughter, Anne's daughter, is drawing um, severe criticism from a parliamentaire fraternity who perceived her high public profile and anti-monarchical... Monarch, yeah. Yeah, anti-monarchical stance as impudent in a woman. They responded by portraying her in, a sat- in satirical literature as sexually deviant and insane, such as Montpensier, <laughs> her mock confession in Les Menefices de Dames de la Cote, which is what we heard about earlier. Mm-hmm. Same one. Um, it says, My body has been given over to nothing but lechery and madness, and my spirit only to diabolical plots and all quarrels. I'm so over it. So basically, it doesn't, like, stop because Catherine dies. They just have new people to look at, new women to aim it towards. I've been over it for 500 years. And, like, maybe that can show you that it's not about Catherine. Like, it's not anything to do with her. Because it's like her son gets the same treatment. This woman gets the same treatment. It's just anyone who they think is stepping outside the bounds, Mm -hmm. just like we were talking about hysterical women. If you're stepping outside where men think you should be, they're going to write about how terrible you are. But then the problem with this is that some people are going to treat that like those are real sources and true things that happen. Yeah. Um, like I have two little quotes real quick. Um Historians continue to perpetuate this myth. Robert Necht, in his 1998 biography of Catherine, did not question the legendary role of Catherine's female household, repeating the idea that they were allegedly used by her to seduce courtiers for political ends. Come on. As late as 2003, Jean-Francois Sonon would state with similar confidence, the Flying Squadron is not a myth. The queen did not disdain the collaboration of the ladies of her household in order to accelerate or complete political negotiations. She placed several beautiful girls in the path of her son, Francois d'Anjou, who had fled to the Louvre in September 1575, and of his entourage. So much did the alliance of the Huguenots with the Malcontent, of which he was leader, threatened a kingdom, blah, blah, blah. Point is... Even in 2003, this guy's like, that's not fake. That's real. I mean, they were real women, but did they do the things? Yeah. Mm. Also, I, I worry about this every time I'm doing research for an episode. I'm like, yeah. is like, man, is, real? is it? Yeah. Is it like even remotely based in reality? Right. And and like herein lies the problem like yeah. with history in general is that we only know what was kept and written down. And so if the only thing that survives is satirical, um, you know, men's writing about women, like, that becomes fact because that's what we know. Yeah. And then just uh, men write about that and then men write about what those men wrote. Right. And And I mentioned this about poison, too. It was the same thing where, like, it would be like, Catherine, poison people. And I click on their source and it would be like, Catherine, poison people. And I click that one and it would be like, yeah, she did. And then I clicked their source for that. And then it was a book that was like, she probably didn't do any of that. And I was like, oh, Hmm. It's weird because the original <laughs> source I can find says, like, doubt it. Because mm-hmm. you were very, very sure. But other people really think that she did from this source uh-huh. somehow, even yeah. though it says the exact opposite. Right. You'll watch, like, a special on the History Channel, and they're like, definitely, 100%, she was murder-poisoned. And I'm going to say I trust Una because not only does she have 
she's in like this published book about women uh, doing historical research, you know, about women. She's got like a butt ton of resources, like, you know, uh, first hand sources, all footnoted at the bottom of these things. And many of them are in French, which I appreciate because I would not be able to read them. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to believe her. And generally, I'm more willing to believe women when they're talking about women in history. <laughs> yeah, that that is not to be, you know, <laughs> that is the bias I will own up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's one thing. It's like this: the thing you're reading is cited, and like the citations are first person accounts, right? Or like primary sources. Yeah, and that's why we make such a big deal too when we talk about things on the show that we're like maybe because like a lot of these things could be fake. Yeah. People tell the same fake story over and over again. Everyone steals from each other and then becomes a thing. History and story are basically the same word. Yeah. In some languages, they are the same word. Mm-hmm. And you should think about that. And so, you know, if we do ever do anything where we lead you astray to think that something is true when it's not, <laughs> if we figure it out, we'll let you know. If you figure it out, let us know. Yeah, please um, do. And um, no matter what, like... It's okay if that happens to you, too. I want to say, like, if you are misled by, th- like, seemingly credible people um, to believe something that's not true, like, the most important thing out of that is, like, that you shouldn't be embarrassed. You should just be like, oh, okay, and then believe what is true. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all the time, this is, like, a, you know, this is a problem now with, like, a lot of fake news stuff and, like, internet sites, but it's also a problem even for the past with fake news from satirical nonsense. So it's like this is a consistent problem throughout time, and you just got to, like, be smart about it and think. Yeah, just got to think. Yeah. Just got to, like, breathe deep and think it through. So as far as I can tell, Catherine, in summation, um, is, like, a orphan who was like you know traded for marriage when she's 14 has no control over her life and thrives with it anyway and is finally able to be in charge does wonderfully is taking care of all the women in her like grasp in the best way that she can and then uh you know like negotiates a treaty to end a war herself uh perfectly normal if extraordinary human woman who just happens to like astrology which makes her an evil witch i mean it does definitely make her a witch <laughs> if you you know ask etsy or tumblr mm-hmm. she's definitely some kind of witch yeah she's got crystals she's got like herbs she built a tower just so she could look at the stars i mean that's like peak uh like new age witch energy that's right what there. that's what every witch on tumblr wishes they could do <laughs> Yeah. Build a tower to look at the stars, brother. Uh, I'm I'm a wind witch. <laughs> I'm a star witch. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, and I'm in the future. I don't know how soon necessarily. It might be sooner rather than later, though, because now I'm kind of jazzed reading about Catherine in general. Um, but I want to do an episode about um, Catherine and Diane. Mm, so yeah. about Catherine and Henry's mistress. Because um, their relationship seems interesting mm-hmm. to me. Um, and maybe different than people think it would be. Because people are complex and things happen. I really want them to tag team up and just, like, just control the heck out of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. You can email us, hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We post a lot of funny memes. Memes! Uh, and you should be looking forward to, we have some episodes coming up. We have a companion with this episode, which is going to be... Uh, us watching an episode of Rain, which is available on Netflix. So if you want to watch it with us, you can do that. 
Um, it's, I, I'm sure it will be more interesting to you if you actually watch the episode, too. Because if you don't, it's just us being like, see? And you can't see. <laughs> yeah. So it's not as fun. Uh, and if you're not into watch-alongs or into our uh, hysterical minis where we're going to be reading emails, you know, just skip them. Yeah, it's fine. We don't. We won't be offended. Don't worry about it. Yeah, if you're just here for the history, then do that. But we just want to give you some other goodies. Goodies. And that uh, we hope you learn some things about ladies, and you know, just don't believe fake news. Don't be like uh, Monsieur Balsack. <laughs> don't trust uh, fan fiction to be fact <laughs> fiction. Hmm? No. Fan fiction is for getting off and having fun. And crying. Yep. Which is having fun with wet eyes. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>